0: Hey everyone my name is Josh Proctor and this is the life on side B podcast on this podcast we are going to discuss as the name pretty much clearly states what life as side B LGBT Christians is really like for those of you who don't know side B is a term used to refer to Christians who are LGBT attracted to the same sex or have gender dysphoria, yet hold a traditional view of sexuality and marriage, and therefore live according to that view. Every episode, I will be talking with different Side B Christians about different aspects of their life, faith, and experiences. My goal with this podcast is to show that being Side B is not this depressing life of self-hatred and loneliness, but rather it can be pretty dang beautiful and amazing. Now, every season, we will be focusing on a different theme of sexuality and faith issues related to the lives of Side B Christians. This season though, I am really excited because we are going to be looking at different ways Side B Christians live out their sexuality and find intimacy and community. Each of these interviews has been a huge encouragement, even for me, as I navigate what community and belonging look like in my own life. You will be able to see that there are so many different ways that Side B Christians can live with joy within their faith. And in that way, I hope it can be an encouragement for you too. So with that, let's head into today's episode. Hello everyone, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I am here with the amazing Lisa Samuels, uh, the wife of Dean Samuels, who I had the privilege of interviewing uh, in the last episode. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yes, this is gonna be awesome. Uh, for all of you listening, last, during the last episode, I had a really amazing time talking with Dean and I was showing the episode to my brothers and some friends and everyone just loved the episode, but then one thing everyone said was, you know, it's great, but in the episode and in many, and in many areas when you hear about the topic of mixed orientation marriage, a lot of times you only get the perspective of the spouse attracted to the same sex. Uh, but you never get, the, <laughs> not never, but you less often get the perspective of the straight spouse in it uh and so that brought about the uh opportunity about uh interviewing lisa which has made me really happy lisa that you've uh agreed to do this
1: i Uh, i can say i am not as eloquently spoken as my dear (laughs) husband but um we're gonna do our best
0: oh that's literally all we do on this podcast (laughs) we do our best and we hope we don't Uh, make fools of ourselves. Oh, that
1: sounds like my everyday life.
0: Yes. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, um, you know, we've, on the last episode, we heard from Dean about how you guys met and how you guys got married. But obviously, like everything, there's two sides to every story. So I guess just to start, we would love to hear from your perspective, how you met Dean and uh, how you guys got together and everything.
1: Yeah. Um, it was interesting to kind of listen to his side of it because though it's a pretty full story when he tells it, he likes to leave out a few things.
2: Uh, Um, mm -hmm.
1: and so, you know, I mean, he put in a lot, a lot of the standard stuff. You know, we were really young when we met. I was 18. He was 20. We were, we were babies and I immediately was attracted to him. I immediately Mm. liked him, but I was about 175% sure he was gay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
1: yeah and so I just kind of thought to myself well you know what I guess you're probably going to get a really good friend out of this and life will go on and I dated quite a few other people both seriously and just for fun because in college you're stupid um
2: <laughs> yes.
1: and um but Dean was always the one I came back to and he was that best friend that you want to tell everything and that person, that every time I got my heart broken, he needed to know about it, or every time I started dating someone new, he needed to know about it, or he was just that person I called no matter what. And this whole time, he friend zoned me hard, <laughs> and like, and he likes to leave that out. Like he put me in a friend zone box and left me in the corner.
2: Mm.
1: And I mean, I completely understand why. Yes. Now later, and uh, eventually we had been visiting each other a lot. We lived a couple hours apart. We would make trips to see each other. And I got to the point where I was at work one day and I texted him and I was like, here's the deal. My heart is getting involved. I really like you and you're flirting with me a lot and I'm not going to do this anymore if you're not actually interested. And that was kind of the point where he went, oh crap, like,
2: Mm.
1: like I could actually lose this girl. Yeah. And he kind of said, well, I I never said I didn't like you. I just don't really know how to navigate these waters. And at that point he started kind of seeking some people in his life who uh, he respected, you know, some pastors, some friends, his sister. And I just kind of waited and gave him time to figure out what he felt like he needed to do. And if he was going to be able to pursue me in the way that I felt like I deserved to be pursued. And he got to the point where he felt like he could do that. And I sat him down and I said, Hey, don't do this if you're not going to marry me. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And for some men that would probably be terrifying, but we just kind of were in it for the long haul. And he asked me to be his girlfriend and kind of the rest is history.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, I, you know, I love that. I guess one of the questions that I would like to first start out with as we go forward is, you know, Dean obviously explained in the last episode that he identifies as queer and he explained a lot of of what goes into that and why he uses that identity has that ever bothered you that he identifies as queer and and why or why not would you would you say
1: um you know honestly i would be lying if i said no because Mm -hmm. You know, if it comes down to like, has that ever bothered you? Yeah, probably yeah. a lot of times. To be honest, especially kind of at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, there are times when he is bonding with other people in the LGBTQ community, and I don't get it. <laughs> and <laughs> i like, I don't know what we're laughing about, you know. <laughs> um, and at those points, sure, it has bothered me. Or or times when I'm a I'm a really big fixer, and I want to understand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are aspects of this that I can't understand and I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in those times, it, it sort of bothers me. But it's not that I have a problem with him identifying as queer. It's that yeah. I just want to understand, you know. Yeah. But in in my heart of hearts, no, it doesn't bother me. Okay. You know, that he is who, who he is made me fall in love with him and his identity or or his orientation or whatever we want to call that. That's Mm -hmm. part of who he is. and I love fully who he is like his Mm -hmm. lame dad jokes and all.
0: (laughs) That is true. (laughs) I have heard the dad jokes.
1: They're bad. They're really bad.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh no. But it's so good. Yeah. He, Dean is amazing. So well, and with that then, you know, obviously it's, you know, especially as you said, at the beginning was, it was, it was harder. Has there been anything that's helped you get to more of a place at peace, especially with the identity area?
1: You know, I think a lot of communication, understanding that his, you know, identifying as queer doesn't mean he loves me any less. It doesn't change anything. And I think that's the point I had to get to was understanding that like, he's still the same person, you know, he's always been the same person. And I, I really just think it's taken a lot of communication. I, until very recently, didn't have other other people who are kind of in the same boat as me to talk to. So I've kind of mm-hmm. been navigating these waters by myself and really just feeling like he and I can talk about it. And when I am struggling with something that I can say, hey, we need to have a conversation just so you can help me understand X, Y, and Z, and us being able to talk about those things. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really what's gotten me to where I am, um, because I'm at a point now where I really am not bothered by it, really, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, like, it's it's just part of who we are as a couple, and honestly, I think it kind of makes us. Um, it makes us stronger. It makes us more interesting. It makes mm-hmm. us. I, I don't know. I just.
0: I totally I, agree, and I, I mean, it seems like. I think that applies even beyond a mixed orientation marriage, even like for me, you know, I'm, I'm not married, will not get married, but yet the people in my life, you know, I have most of my straight, like most of my closest friends are straight. And Mm. a lot of even in our friendship is things that, you know, they see me with my side B friends, they see me with my gay friends, and many times they don't understand things. right? And so it takes a lot of communication and also with my family. Uh, you know, not understanding why I need to be around, you know, yes, LGBT yeah. people and, and not understanding why I need to um, identify as gay and not understanding why I love some of the shows that I love. <laughs> 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 um, but then it's like that communication. And even my friend Michelle, who was on a previous episode, you know, for her, just being able to learn a little bit more has been able and us being able to talk has brought even more clarity and and Mm -hmm. strongerness in our friendship even just alone so I I understand that that makes total sense and I think sometimes we forget I think sometimes we forget as just people the importance of both just asking in order to learn and also Mm -hmm. the importance of communicating of like this is why I need this or this is why this is important to me absolutely Uh, so beyond the identity issue, what would you say has been your biggest struggle related to being in a mixed orientation marriage?
1: You know, there's honestly, there's a couple. Um, uh-huh. and the, I think that the first one absolutely identifies to quote unquote straight marriages too. Um, yes. but and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, the The biggest thing, and Dean highlighted this some too, but it is sex um mm-hmm. to be completely honest and i know that is not an issue for some people that are in mixed orientation marriages yeah. and i'm that's super awesome for them um, <laughs> <laughs> but we just have different sex drives and different yeah. backgrounds and expectations and and i think absolutely that can happen in any marriage but i come from a background of um abuse in mm. my childhood and then yeah. also um every guy I dated in college wanted to date me for sex. Mm. And so then getting married to someone who sex is not the first priority because he is a, let's communicate, let's talk, let's discuss, let's, I can't, I can't just fix things with sex. (laughs) Like with other guys that worked. I know. Um, Like that doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Um, And so it's like, that kind of threw a wrench in how I used to, you know, fix things. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge thing for us. Um, and I think there's a certain level of communication about sex that's needed in a mixed orientation marriage that might not be required in Mm -hmm. a traditional straight cisgender marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, there are just things that have to be discussed that traditional married couples don't need to discuss. You know, Mm -hmm. there are people who might be, say you are married, like you're like us um, and your husband is same sex attracted or has been. If your husband has been with other men in the past, that may be something that affects your sex life now, you know? Um, And those are things that have to be discussed. And same if you're married to a woman who's been with other women, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just important things so that you understand the general baseline of sex.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that's just something that isn't as big of a deal to traditional straight couples, you know? Yeah. And then I think that the other thing is that I am, and I mentioned this earlier, but like I'm such a fixer and I want to understand his struggles Mm -hmm. and I want to relate to him and I want to like deeply (laughs) feel what he feels and And that's a huge character flaw for me, but it's just how it goes. And it's not that I ever wanted to like change his orientation, but I wanted to kind of figure out what that meant for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been a struggle related to this marriage is that there are certain things that I can't fix and I can't change. And there would be times where I would think, okay, well, if I can just fix this one aspect of this struggle that he might be having, then the rest of our marriage will be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that is a delusion of grandeur. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. your your marriage may be beautiful and amazing and wonderful, but there are always going to be things that you have to work on. Yeah, um, And though now I'm at the point where, like I said, him identifying as queer does not bother me. There was certainly a point where I went, well, you know, if we could just kind of shift him a little straighter, <laughs> like, We'll be good to go.
0: Then we'll be fine.
1: Yeah, we'll be totally fine. And that's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. That's, and and it also just doesn't work because why change what you fell in love with?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah I mean, because him being queer is part of what makes him the person that you love.
1: Yeah, and, absolutely.
0: You know, I, I think that's so, that's just so true with relationships. You know, it's funny because we fall in love with someone and we fall in love with them because of the person that they are. (laughs) And then as we get to know them, we want to fix things in their life, Mm -hmm. forgetting that that also is partly what makes them the person that we fell in love with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And so I think, yeah, that was definitely kind of a, a big struggle. Mm. Not again, not as much now, but that was yeah. a huge, a huge thing probably in our first two years of marriage was like, well, if we can just get this one thing on track, everything else will fall into place and we'll be perfect and, and everything will be great. And, mm-hmm. and that's just not, that's not how marriage works straight. Yeah. W- whatever kind of marriage you have, that's not how it works. <laughs> like Exactly. You now, know,
0: the one thing that I've been learning over, you know, from, from this conversation, even just in even in this section of it, as well as talking to Dean, as well as at Revoice talking to multiple people in mixed orientation marriages, has been that in many ways, a lot of the issues and and problems that people in mixed orientation marriages face are many times things that all couples deal with, sometimes at different levels than others. Right. Um, but ultimately, they're still the same issues. It's just that yeah. this issue might be a, of more importance right. than necessarily in a, a single orientation marriage, I guess is what you could right. call it. Yeah. Um, it you know,
2: I do have to say, I needed to say
0: one thing on this oh, because yeah. I heard this at Revoice and, and because I wish I had heard it before, um, before. You know, I did the interview with Dean at the first night of... of arriving at Revoice. Mm -hmm. And at Revoice, I went into workshops on mixed orientation marriages because I plan to be a pastor. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to be married, I need to learn more about marriage uh, because I'm going to have people that I need to minister to who are married. So I went into these things and I have now realized that side B people refer to mixed orientation marriages as moms. And I I, it took me so long to realize that when people were calling moms, they were talking not about mothers, but mixed-orientation marriages because I was in a workshop and someone said, the church needs moms. I'm like, of course it needs mothers. What would we do if we did not have mothers? I was like, what is this lady talking about? And why is she talking about mothers in a, in a workshop on marriage? And then someone was like, no, M-O-M. I was like, that is stupid. <laughs> I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. I had to work that in into this. I work this. When I heard that, I was like, my next episode on mixed orientation marriages, I'm working that in somewhere. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> so, it's okay.
1: Because when you sent me the questions, because I don't ever call it that. When you uh-huh. sent me the questions, one of them said, I think uh, it, I, I, I don't know, but it yeah, was like I put I put an mom in there. in there, and I was like, I mean, I am a mom, but I don't know why that relates. To this. <laughs> yes, and I, I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about.
0: Exactly. I I love it because I sent these questions also to Michelle before sending them to you, and I was like, Michelle, what do you do? You have any other questions you think would be good? And she goes, don't call it a mom, and I'm like, I'm not planning to. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, God bless it. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, hey, I understand that people need language. I'm not downing anyone, especially even the lady who, who, meant, who said that. You're amazing, and, and I know t- finding the right terminology is difficult, but that threw me off so bad. Um, so with that then, moving along, um, so since we've talked about the struggles, what would you say are some of the biggest blessings that you have gotten from being in a mixed orientation marriage?
1: So I think that um, the biggest thing is that we have really been able to be involved in the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. Yes. Um, this like the sideby community, the LGBT community has brought people into our lives that are our family. I mean, they are our brothers and sisters. They are our daughters, aunts and uncles they come to birthday parties, they go out of their way to send videos when they're in other countries. I mean, one of our friends sent our daughter a video when he was at a castle in another country. And he was like, look, I'm at a castle. Like (laughs) these, these things that we just don't really get from other places, they have become our family. Yeah, And I think it's just it's been so beautiful to have that chosen family, which is often how the LGBTQ community has family in general, because so often they've been kind of abandoned, but, um, you know, to have these people in our lives and, and to be reminded, I mean, and we're obviously not closed minded, but to be reminded, like people are people are people are people, Um, you know, and we've just gained a beautiful family from it. I think another thing, um that i've been able to tr- just truly relish is the fact that relationships don't have to be normal or traditional. Yeah. And i think there was a while that i just genuinely longed to feel like my relationship was like my friends' relationships. Yeah. Um but in reality, you know, it's like those those mediocre like sex a couple times a week, arguments over stupid stuff. Uh yes. like it's just And for some reason I wanted that because Pinterest and Facebook and all this world that we Mm -hmm. live in, but I don't need two and a half children and a white picket fence.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Like I genuinely love what I have and I love that it's different and it's unique and it's good. And, and we don't have to present ourselves as other couples to be a good, healthy, beautiful couple. Mm hmm. Um, and I think that's another thing that I, that I've gotten from It's just really being able to come to terms with the fact that like, no, we are not your average couple when it comes down to it, but like, that's what, that's what makes us who we are. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: and I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes just being in our world, it's just awesome to even when you can embrace your uniqueness and what makes you unique and just be like, Yeah it's different and that's that's me. You know, yeah. there's something beautiful to that and i think there's something even divinely godlike in that that he does god does not want i think we sometimes mix up um sanctification with uniformity mm-hmm. and thinking that in order to become like god wants us to we have to become like everyone else in the church. Yeah and that's not what god calls us to. He calls us to be like him but that looks differently in every person's life in many ways. Absolutely. The circumstances are going to be different. You know, when I, when I committed myself to celibacy, that was really hard for me to go realize that my life was not going to look like necessarily the life that I had expected it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something of when you embrace that, then you can enjoy the beauty in it. At first it's hard embracing it and it feels like a sacrifice, but then I really feel over time it actually becomes a gift.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, my life looks nothing like what I planned. But, yeah, but I, I, think, I mean, it's better. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um, I just recorded. Uh, well, this we're, we're we're recording this on Sunday. Um, tomorrow, Monday. Uh, I am releasing a short, little what we're calling side B detours. Um, before this episode comes out. And in that, I kind of talked about how that's kind of been my life has been embracing God was not something that I wanted, but then now looking back on it, I'm like, I love what I have, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: and I wouldn't give it up. I I wouldn't have said that at the beginning, but you get to that place.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you kind of have been around your friends, you know, who, who look like they, you know, have the normal, you (laughs) know, marriage and everything. And as you've come to a place of acceptance of your own marriage. Uh, what would you, what, what do you feel like single orientation marriages could learn from your marriage and marriages like yours?
1: Um, I think a huge thing is allow your partner to be free to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, allowing your spouse to be genuine and real is just so important. Yeah. Um, and I think we just live in a world that puts so many labels on people and has such, strange expectations
2: Mm.
1: that we tend to put people in a box and they think that they need to stay in that box. And I, that's just not healthy. Uh, And also uh, it just, I think that we can learn that gender roles are kind of stupid. Like, I mean, uh, some wives don't cook. Like I do not cook. (laughs) I am a terrible cook. I go in the kitchen to pour wine. Like that's all. Um, some husbands don't unclog the bathtub drain. Like Mm -hmm. that's okay. Um, I think there's just, again, a beauty to just kind of accepting who you are and rolling with your strengths and not trying to change each other. I mean, of course there are things that, that have to change. If your husband has never changed a baby's diaper and you're having a kid, he should probably learn, but, (laughs) but like if you're, if your husband doesn't like football, that doesn't make him any less of a man. Yeah. If your wife isn't the, the best dead laundry, that doesn't mean she's suddenly not a wonderful wife or a good mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just get legitimately sick over some of the gender role expectations that I see. And I just see couples falling into that and, and women primarily, because obviously I'm not spending a lot of one-on-one time with guys, but, but women primarily saying things like, I'm such a bad wife. Like I haven't gotten the dishes done. And like, or like my husband expects me to have the house completely clean by the time he gets home, but I've been taking care of the kids all day. And it's like, I think there's just some beauty to cutting each other slack and letting each other be who you are. And if you suck at laundry, split it up, man. You know, there's just, I really just struggle with with gender roles and with people trying mm-hmm. to change each other, honestly. Yeah.
0: No, that that totally makes sense. You know, I was reading a book by Deborah Hirsch, who has become a hero of mine. I've never met her. I want to meet her, but uh, that's a goal of mine. Uh, she wrote a book called Redeeming Sex. And she uh, one of the chapters was on gender and gender roles. Mm-hmm. And it just like changed my life in so many ways. And she talked about like the biblical gender Mm. and biblical gender versus cultural gender. And how many, so many times the things that we attach to our concept of gender are really so much more cultural.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Than they are biblical and how in roles, you know, in a couple, it's so much more about, um, you know, like people working into their strengths. That's really the thing of finding, you know what? You're good at this. I'm good at this. Let's make it work. Right you know, and not so much about what culture says that we have to do. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And And I know, I mean, I know there are people, I have had people who have said things to me like, oh, it must be really nice that you don't ever have to cook. And it's so, it's very condescending and it's really judgy. And it's like, no, but I mean, I I do mow the lawn, Mm -hmm. you know, for two hours and get in 11,000 steps. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's just, (laughs) it's a give and take. And these, this expectation that like the wife needs to cook and the mother or the the husband needs to to go out and mow the lawn like why why yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it does you know and and I I love how in that book um, redeeming sex which I recommend to everyone I'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast hopefully I remember um, but is he talk she talks about how biblical gender is really about imitating Jesus, both as men and women, because Jesus being the perfect human embodies both masculinity and femininity perfectly. And and in that way, stepping out of the cultural understanding of gender and stepping into the biblical understanding of gender of if we we are images of God, then embracing biblical gender is about embracing the image of God in the way we reflect him, both as men and women. Uh, but that doesn't always fit into culture, um, as our culture understands it. Right. So great, and so my next question that I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on is, you know, every every marriage is different, especially in mixed orientation marriages. Uh, we with Dean, we talked about a f- multiple different circumstances that might influence a mixed orientation marriage, like when. Uh, when the LGBT, when the, the queer spouse came out about their attractions or their, or their identity, kind of the stipulations of how they worked through that, all of those different kinds of things. But in general, what would you say to like straight wives or husbands that are kind of having issues, like struggling in their marriage? Um, you know, whatever those circumstances might be, whether that, you know, about when their spouse came out to them or about changing circumstances of one spouse wanting to be more out or however that might be. Right. What, what are some of the things that you would encourage them with?
1: Um, so I think the first thing I would say, and I've touched on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. the first thing I would say is there are some things you're not going to understand and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you aren't going to be able to understand hundred percent of your spouse's struggles, emotions, and needs. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest thing is that you are supportive and you are kind and you listen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think sometimes listening is all you can do in the moment. Yeah. Just shut your mouth <laughs> and listen, because if, especially say, uh, if your spouse wants to be more open and say you're hesitant, you need to, to hear them out and hear why they want. Mm -hmm. to to be more open because I guarantee you they have good reasons for it. Yeah. Uh, No one is going to be like, Hey, I think I'm going to be more open about this thing that could get me completely ostracized. No, No.
0: that just sounds fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's silly. So, so listen and, and try to be objective. You know, another thing is that your spouse needs same gender friends.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I cannot be Everything that D needs, mm-hmm. and it is unfair for me to to think that oh well if he has had same sex attraction I don't want him hanging out with guys but but mm. he's not attracted to every man that walks by in the same way I'm not attracted to every man that walks by yes. um you know and he, and he absolutely needs male friends he needs good guys that he's comfortable confiding in that he can go see movies with that he can grab coffee coffee with. And at the end of a long day, trust your spouse and make sure they have people in their life besides you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's just, it's just imperative for their growth because you just can't be everything.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and your spouse probably also needs support from other like-minded LGBTQ plus individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, because going along with number one, you're not going to understand what your spouse goes through. But they might, yeah. Um, and I've heard, I have heard some women who are married to side B individuals who are saying things like, "Well, what if they're sitting around bashing us?" I'm like, "Well, then you married a guy who sucks." <laughs> <I'm>
0: like <laughs> that has nothing to do with him being gay. <laughs>
1: that has not. Like that's not that's your husband's problem. Like you need to <laughs> you need to address that outside of this. This has nothing to do with being LGBT. Like exactly. But nine times out of ten at least with Dean and his friends, like nine times out of 10, they're talking about Drag Race or Taylor Swift.
0: I can vouch for that from hanging out with Dean. So yes.
1: (laughs) And now I will say he can talk to me about Drag Race too. So that's not, but it's just, I, I have been around. I'm trying to think we were, we were traveling for our anniversary and we met up with five guys who were all, in the LGBT community. Yeah. Um, and literally it got to the point where I was like, I have no idea what any of you are saying or talking about, <laughs> but I'm really glad you have each other. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> uh, and, I get like, it.
1: and he, and he needs that. He needs yeah. those people that mm-hmm. understand and feel what he's feeling. And those guys aren't married, so they don't completely understand everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he he needs that community and I can understand that he needs that community. I'm so glad he has it. Yeah. And so it's like, just trust your spouse. He's not cheating on you. You know, it's, he just needs other people who understand his struggles, his feelings, his joys, his sorrows, all of those things that maybe you don't understand and it's okay that you don't understand them.
0: You know, know? I I think that's really a big point. And I think that, that's even something that I've learned for my own self. You know, when I became side B, I think so many times we get so focused on sexualities about who you have sex with. Yes. And like, that's it. You fulfill your sexuality by having sex. But I think in exploring what it means to be side B, like, okay, I have decided that sexual expression with, with other guys is off the table. Like, that's not going to happen. But I still have this longing to be around men. Absolutely. And, and I think that then it, it's about coming to this realization that I can fulfill those needs of the longing to be around men. It's more than just having sex with them. Oh, you yes. know, I am called to companionship more than men than I am with women. I, I do mean. have female friends and some of my greatest closest friends are, are, are women, but yet there's always this draw to spend intimate time with men. Absolutely. And I think actually being side B has taught me so much beauty in that that doesn't have to be sexual. There's something even more intimate when it's not sexual that then I can be fulfilled. And that's the same thing. It's like, you know, but sorry, I know you probably have some other points for spouses and we'll get back to (laughs) that. Um, The whole thing is, is I think we get so focused on, again, the understanding of sexuality is who you have sex with. So if you're going to fulfill your sexuality, it has to go through sex and that causes that fear in spouses brains that if they're going to go hang out with other LGBT people, especially other, you know, men um or in the case of women with women that oh sex is going to get involved Mm -hmm. you know but yeah yeah, you have to have trust that that honestly that they they want to honor you yeah and they just need those connections
1: yeah yeah i I just think i just think trust is such a huge thing honestly and i mean and that that goes for any marriage
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um that trust is a primary thing um but i just I know several women who are married to side B guys and that is a huge struggle for them. Like, Oh, but if they're going off, they're probably cheating. And it's like, if you are assuming that your spouse is cheating, every time they leave you, you probably have things to work through. Yeah. And so work through your own issues too. Um, Mm -hmm. that, that's my other thing. If you need to seek counseling, do it. Like I, I know there are people who believe that, Scripturally, well, God is our counselor, so i I shouldn't have to seek one out well that's that's a load of crap, <laughs> like yes, go to a counselor, go by yourself, go with your spouse, go together, go separately, see the same person, you know, seek out wise counsel, but if you are not going to a professional licensed counselor, make sure it is a pastor who's not going to run his mouth Mhm because we want to assume that all pastors can be held in the highest of regards and that they are going to keep things, um, quiet, but every Mm. pastor does not hold to that. That's true. Um, I have seen people get hurt by going to someone that they thought was trustworthy and then the spouse found out about it. Mm. Um, and, and so I advise people to seek wise counsel with a licensed therapist. Yeah. Um, and if you can't afford that, you know, I, I know that that's hard, but if your marriage is a priority, that's something that may need to be a priority. You know, yeah. um, if there are struggles, if you're, if you're struggling to understand something, if you just feel like you need a mediator, because sometimes you just need someone else there to help you explain things in a way that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my other thing really, be willing to seek wise counsel, be willing to see a counselor to talk to someone to talk to a pastor, whoever that may be. if there are struggles, if there are trust issues, if there are problems, it doesn't make you weak, it doesn't make you wrong <laughs> you know, know be willing to do those things
0: that's that's so good, absolutely you know and i I think that's so true like you said, in any marriage, you know, you have to be willing to get help and have that humility. But if you need it, you know, that there's nothing wrong in saying, I need, I need someone to walk through this with me.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 There was a point that I needed that. Like, that's not me. (laughs) That's not me going, I mean, other people should definitely do that. Like there, there was a point where we were just, I didn't know how to communicate certain things that I was feeling, you Mm. know, and, and, Dean is an empath. And so he feels everything I feel. And so it was like, I would start to talk and then he would take on all my emotions and then I would have to comfort him, you know? And so it's like, you sometimes need that, that mediator to help you figure out some things. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. And I guess then my big other last question would be that I would really like to, and this is actually personally, even from me, you know, for people who aren't in mixed orientation marriages or aren't married, but have friends who are in mixed orientation marriages, you know, sometimes it can be hard, you know, like I know that's for me. I have friends that are in mixed orientation marriages. I'm not in one. And so then sometimes you kind of go, well, how do, how do I walk alongside this? Because it's something that I can't necessarily like I've been in relationships, but I've been in relationships with men when I was side a a little bit different. Um, So, that kind of thing of how do I walk alongside and support friends in mixed orientation marriages as someone who's not in one?
1: Um, I mean, I think a, a big thing is prayer um, yeah. because people who are in mixed orientation marriages, especially if you're open, you're up against a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a part of the world that is telling you, or that, that tells me. Um, well, don't you think Dean would just be happier if he wasn't with you anymore? Like Mm -hmm. if he just went and found a nice man and settled down and lived his life. Um, and so though I am very happy in my marriage, there are certainly times where I go, man, is that like, is that what he needs? Like, is that, does he not need me? You know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think praying for, for your friends, um, praying for their marriages, um, that they would be grounded in, in what they believe and that their communication stays strong. I think another thing is encouraging them in that if something comes up where you hear someone saying something for, for couples who are more open, if you hear someone saying something about like, yeah, I mean, did you know her husband's gay or did you know his wife is a lesbian? Like that's when you can take a step up and say, that's not exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. Let's have a conversation about that. Or, you know, yeah, he is. And he's super committed to her, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like, because again, an orientation or how you identify doesn't have to be through sex.
0: Those are the situations where I need the peace of God to come on me. So I don't punch the person.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say for you, you are, because you are side B, it's easier for you to relate and for you to have empathy and understanding. Yeah. I would say it's harder for people who are cisgender white folk. Yes. Like, um, you know, I have had, I have had people who I've been honest with that are like, "Man, your husband's really lying to himself, isn't he?" And you're like, "Thanks, friend." <laughs> you know, that's good um, support. Yeah, and so I would never expect you to say something like that. Yeah. But for, for a listener who is hearing this, who who might meet someone. Don't say stuff like that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, don't, don't assume that because um, someone is in a mixed orientation that one or both of the spouses are unhappy. Yeah. Um, don't assume that one of us settled, Mm -hmm. um, don't assume that one of us pushed aside who we really were to be with this person. Cause I would say those are huge assumptions that get made, um, Mm -hmm. that Dean just settled you know, or Lisa is is Dean's beard. Like <laughs> I, you know, and then we yes. also have people who say things like, "You realize you guys are heretics, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, wow. you know, the, and that obviously is hard to hear, especially because we have a child. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing our best to navigate this in a Christ-like, God-like manner and raise our daughter to love all people and respect all people. And to have people say things like, wow, your daughter's really going to be confused as she grows up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those things hurt. And so just just be mindful of your language, be supportive, be prayerful, remind people that if they need you, you're there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And you know, that's one of the one of the biggest things I've always respected with mixed orientation, people in mixed orientation marriages. I mean, you know, all of us who are side B, we deal with criticism on both fronts. Absolutely. From the conservatives and the liberals. Mm-hmm. The conservatives, we are heretics to the liberals.
1: You're not uh, living your true
0: life. We're not. Yeah, exactly. We're not living our true lives. And I think there's also an aspect of that when you're in a mixed orientation marriage, because, you know, even... It, cr- conservatives even the name mixed orientation marriage it's like oh your spouse is not trying to be straight right. nope <laughs> and to liberals it's like oh it's the same thing as ex-gay
2: mm, oh. you
0: know and <laughs> so there's this there's this thing on both fronts and it's kind of like i was even talking to someone in the past two weeks uh, who was just like this is the same thing as ex-gay and i'm like you know it's really ironic because we talk in the LGBT community about the fluidity of, of gen, of sexuality, that, you know, sexuality is fluid. That's why there's so, there's pansexuality, asexuality, you know, bisexual, all of these different things. Cause we understand that um, sexuality is not put into a box of how people experience it. Right. And so if we really understand the fluidity of, of sexuality, then obviously mixed orientation marriages are going to be a reality. It's, it's going to be a reality of the fact that people experience sexualities differently. And when two people, who experience their sexuality differently come into a marriage, it's going to happen. And that doesn't mean it's ex gay. Absolutely. You know,
1: absolutely. And I do, I think that we are making some progress in that area. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that five years ago, the idea of this would have just mortified some people that I know. Uh Um, And I recently had to take a work trip um, to New York city. And I met up with a friend that I went to college with. I have not seen him in years. Yeah. Uh, he is androgynous, very gender fluid, but identifies as straight. Well, I was super open with him. Um, and I told him, you know, it, we are in a mixed orientation marriage. And it was really, really neat because he went, I think that's amazing.
2: Aww. And,
1: and he was so encouraging. And he was like, I think it's really, really admirable that you guys are like, that you're making this work and that you're together and that you're, he was, I, I just, I love that. Um, and we actually had dinner with one of his friends who's transgender and he told her and she was like, that's so cool. Um, and these are two people who are not, who who don't identify as Christians. Yeah. Um, one was raised in the faith, the other was not. And, and so it was really encouraging, yeah. you know, to have a conversation like that with two people, one who I'd never met before, one who I hadn't seen in years because it was not a negative thing Mm -hmm. and so it's nice to feel like we're starting to get to a place where it's not all negative from all sides exactly yeah i mean we have a long way to go but oh
0: absolutely and i I think it's important as you said those of us who aren't in in mixed orientation marriages we can we can be there to help you know defend and bring and bring education Yes. By just defending when people have misunderstandings and be like, "Ah, that's not, that's not the reality. Right. You know, that's something that people like me, we can do. And yeah. Anyone.
1: And I think that's huge, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you so much for doing all of this. I'm so glad we got to talk because yes. I, it's been so funny when, when I scheduled this, when I was talking to Dean about doing this interview, I was like, I've never talked to Lisa. I'm really excited and I'm nervous because I've known, I've known Dean, but I haven't known Lisa and I love you. This has been one of my favorite episodes so far.
1: Oh, thank do. you. I really yes. I appreciate you asking me to do this. Um, yeah. cause you're right. A lot of people don't necessarily get this kind of other side. So mm-hmm. it's been yeah, fun.
0: Absolutely. But, uh, I want to thank you again and you know, everyone, Uh, I'm going to put links to everything, any books or anything that we mentioned here into the description. So you can, you can connect on that. Also, I have Dean Samuels contact information in the description on, on his episode. So you guys can contact Dean through the information in the episode description. Uh, So thank you again, Lisa. Really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you again, everyone. Be listening in the next upcoming weeks for our next episode. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.